When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Hey guys, Tommy Vitor here. I'm hosting a new podcast called World Corrupt with my friend Roger Bennett from the Men in Blazers podcast. Soccer is a game that has often been called the world's most important, least important thing. Yet November's World Cup will force fans to confront and grapple with the complexities of the tournament that was awarded via corruption and built with atrocious labor practices that have left reported 6,500 migrant workers dead. Each week on World Corrupt, Roger and I will explore what it means to be a fan and responsible citizen of the world while watching the world's most popular sporting event. New episodes of World Corrupt drop each Saturday in the Pod Save the World feed. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm Tommy Vitor. I'm John Lovett. I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Yes! Yay! Alyssa, guest host. You're never getting rid of me. Now, are you on the phone or in upstate New York? Are you in Los Angeles right now? I'm staring into your baby blue eyes, Tommy Vitor. Best. (laughs) She's got a very L.A. sort of juice with her. Yet I'm dressed like I go to a prep school in New England. So it took us a long time to stop doing that. I think that that, <laughs> that sweater is cool. Wait, do you see the pants? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like Archie Bunker, but dope. You're stylish. <laughs> is it a tartan? It's a bit of a tartan. What is that? A plaid. Oh. On the pod today, we have a number of developing stories while we wait for impeachment, <laughs> including the release of the Department of Justice Inspector General's report on the origins of the Russia investigation in a shooting at a Navy base in Pensacola. We'll also talk about all the latest 2020 news. Uh, before that, a few quick housekeeping notes. Love it. How was the show on Friday? We're doing these late shows, all right? Very loose. Brett Gelman, hilarious. Riri Very Chaney, funny. hilarious. Uh, it was a great episode. Check it out. That's an all-star panel. They were awesome. Brett is so funny. Uh, finally, so finally, a plea from your friends at Crooked Media. Protecting voting rights is the most important thing we can do right now to win in 2020. Right now, we're $400,000 away from reaching our $2 million goal to get organizers on the ground fighting voter suppression in every single battleground state. Uh, in fact, if everyone listening right now just donates a little bit, we won't just meet the goal. We'll crush the goal. That's that's unimpeachable math. Unimpeachable math. Just a couple dollars. I Everyone can do listening it. right now. It's not that hard. I'm going to do it today. I'll do it. Alyssa's going to do it today. I'm going to do it today. Stacey Abrams will thank you. You know. You want to help Stacey Abrams? Or do you want to be selfish? The website is votesaveamerica.com slash fair fight. Make it part of your holiday giving. If you put a little card a good idea. in your mom's stocking that said $10 went to uh, help people vote this cycle, I bet she'd really appreciate it. I think that's right. Yeah. Votesaveamerica.com slash fair fight. All right. I just want to make sure everyone's up to speed on where we are with impeachment before we move on to some of the other important stories out there. Uh, Over the weekend, House Judiciary Committee released a report laying out the constitutional grounds for impeachment, which argued that Trump's Ukraine scheme could constitute bribery and an impeachable abuse of power. Today, as we're recording this, the Judiciary Committee is holding another public hearing where they'll hear evidence from lawyers for both the Judiciary and Intel committees uh, that will help them decide how to frame the articles of impeachment, including uh, whether they should include an article of impeachment about Trump's obstruction of justice in the Mueller probe. Um, And Jerry Nadler has said his committee might vote on these articles of impeachment by the end of this week. Um, We've talked a lot about impeachment on this podcast, but Alyssa, (laughs) we haven't talked about it with you yet. Um, What do you think? Do you you agree with the uh, New York Times headline from Sunday that impeachment has devolved into a partisan brawl? I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, so far, my favorite thing that I've seen today is that Castor showed up with all of his, the lawyer. The GOP lawyer. The GOP lawyer uh, showed up with all of his papers for the day in a, in a recyclable grocery bag. Kind of endearing. You know what? I just say, like, that's highly relatable. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it, and I'm not going to mock him for it. Very Hill staffer. I mean, I just Went to the Whole Foods on <laughs> P in the morning. Put stuff in there. Probably his gym clothes are in I'm there, I'm going to say it was a Trader Joe's. <laughs> There's... Um, Definitely. You can definitely see him uh, 
with a bag uh, dropping to the ground with avocados and incriminating evidence rolling out. <laughs> See, I had a different in view. In front of Logan Tavern. <laughs> I thought, oh boy. I had a terrible experience outside of Logan Tavern once. Mm. Um, no, I feel like he was maybe more like me and was like, you know what? It's going to be a long day. I'm going to pack a PB&J for, some, some, for an upper later. Oh, it, yeah. does, it does seem like it is a long day so far because I woke up and started watching this thing and hours later... It's just still going. There's a lot of yelling today. The Judiciary Committee, the fucking Republicans on this committee are, look, their their strategy is to, you know, turn people away and make people think that it's just a big partisan mess. And they are succeeding because they are just screaming and yelling about everything. Literally just with decibel level. It's like you can't mute your TV enough. It's either you're fully muted or you're they're screaming at you through the television. I would like once for the headline to read uh, impeachment evolves into a partisan brawl. <laughs> because for a long time, the reason there wasn't a partisan brawl is because Democrats weren't pursuing impeachment. And pursuing impeachment was the right thing to do. It has evolved into a partisan brawl. The partisan brawl is a step up from the lack of a brawl over these very important criminal issues that are currently unfolding. It's just, it's so frustrating to read that headline and see all these, uh, you know, criticisms of Democrats on process grounds when Devin Nunes was a fact witness who was on the phone with Rudy Giuliani's co-conspirators, never disclosed it during the hearings, and it just came to light because of some subpoenas. And Democrats are the ones who are creating the process files? Are you kidding me? Also, I just, the partisan brawl thing, it's so insane, and the New York Times story didn't even mention this, that like all the fact witnesses so far, the people who have done the most to incriminate Donald Trump are people who work for him. <laughs> They're people in his administration. Like, maybe the Republicans in Congress are, uh, you know, protecting him. Well, they are. Um, but the people who work for him came and testified, and they were incriminating. They Gordon, were incriminating. Gordon Solon had to catch a flight to continue being part of the Trump administration. <laughs> After he said there was a quid pro quo. There was a quid pro quo. Now I have to get back. To my job, reporting to Donald Trump as his hand-picked advisor. And everyone's like, oh, how partisan. And Rudy <laughs> caught another flight to Ukraine where he's, he's back at it. He's just there. It's so It's stupid. like real-world Kiev. <laughs> the, uh, there was a, Start there was, getting real. You see that um, uh, The Intercept sent a reporter to a Republican fundraiser. Oh, really good. Lee yeah. Fang. And Lee Fang, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, he goes up <laughs> to... They go up to Devin Nunes with their, and they're holding a camera to record him. And they're basically like, hey, this Lev Parnas thing. What the fuck? And uh, Devin Nunes runs away. But then later in the in the in the he, they they confront him again. And then Devin Nunes, in this incredibly creepy way, takes out his phone to start taking pictures. And his hand is shaking. And, he, and then he then, looks like a fucking lunatic. Yeah. And 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 uh, the reporter just laughs, being like, "What what's happening? What 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 are you doing? Right? <laughs> what are you capturing?" Lee Fang also like I don't I don't know him, but on Twitter he's like tough, dogged, like intense guy. He's so polite. He so couldn't polite. have been more professional in this yeah, little no. moment. Well, that's the most off-putting to old Devin. Right. He's yeah. like, what does he mean? What? Why is he trying to trick me? Um, so per usual, you know, Trump's been doing everything he can to turn this around on Democrats. Uh, he does the, I'm not a criminal. You're not. You're a criminal. I'm not corrupt. You're corrupt. Um, on Saturday, he said he was looking forward to the Inspector General report. Um, uh, Inspector General Michael Hurwitz, who uh, is the Justice Department's independent watchdog, um, you know, did an investigation about whether the FBI's investigation into Trump's campaign was legal and proper. Uh, Trump and his fellow cultists have long believed uh, that it was some deep state Obama plot against him, that he was being spied on. Uh, well, today the report has been released and it says the FBI was right to investigate Trump's campaign, refuting every right wing conspiracy theory out there. It found no political bias, said the investigation was properly launched. It was proper to seek surveillance on Carter Page. But what they did find is the FBI was sloppy on parts of the application for surveillance on Page. That's all That's all they found. Lovett had his head in his hands like Macaulay Culkin no, in Home Alone. I, was, I, I, just, I, I just wanted to shout when you called it a cult, Devin's Gate, Devin's Gate. <laughs> it just happened and I couldn't, I like was waiting for a pause. Devin's Gate, <laughs> just, title. Like, I didn't know what happened and it came over Found me. it. Uh, isn't this a, a political disaster for, for Trump and the Republicans or, I mean, come on. Yes. <laughs> I mean, in any other world, you know, if it were five years ago, this would be a disaster for whomever it was about because it's terrible. And also recall, this was launched by who again? Our favorite apple cheek hate goblin, Jeff Sessions. This wasn't, this was not some like Nancy Pelosi, like as they would have you believe. It was, it was launched by... Jeff Sessions and proved 
Well, also, I mean, Barr and Trump for the longest time have been saying, like, just wait till you get that Horowitz report. The Horowitz report is going to be great. It's going to be great stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then today, as soon as it's released, Barr releases a statement. He had some statement. shit to say. Barr releases a statement disagreeing with Horowitz, which it's not totally surprising, but I guess I'm a little surprised at how blatant Barr has become at just being like, oh, yeah, I'm a hack. I'm a, ha- I'm a hatchet man for this guy. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm the attorney general of the United States I mean, and not the president's personal lawyer. He literally said today it was that the investigation was launched on the thinnest of suspicions. Well, the uh, the, the thing that Barr's statement has, it has the phrase, in my view, which is doing so much work inside <laughs> yeah. of the statement because it's actually not what's in the report. The report finds the opposite, but he says, in my view, because they're still working on their second report, which is going to be... Mm-hmm. God only knows what. investigation. What do you think, Tommy? I just think you have to remember, like, imagine you were in the FBI in that moment. You have George Papadopoulos, drunk in London, bragging to some Australian guy that the Russians have filler emails. You have known idiot Carter Page, who uh, we have Russian uh, spies on tape, on wiretaps, saying they tried to recruit him, but he was too stupid. He's now in the, in the Trump campaign. Like, <laughs> it would have been a dereliction of duty for them not to pursue this and try to figure out what's happening. And then we all know what happened in history, which is the Russians interfered in this historical way. So, I mean, I just, look, there is a broader conversation to have about uh, FISA abuse and FISA reform and wiretapping generally. But Trump has been promoting this like it's some uh, MAGA guy's book, right? He thinks that this is going to be some explosive, like Dan Bongino's report or whatever Jeannie the fuck Pirro. it is. And it clearly did not deliver what they want. I don't think it will matter because he will... What Trump wants is an open investigation and to be able to point to an investigation. He doesn't actually care about the results because he can distort it however he wants. And, you know, it's important to understand this wasn't just, you know, from QAnon to Trump. It was also all of Trump's uh, intellectual Zambonis. This was Hugh Hewitt, Andrew McCarthy, the fucking Rich Lowry, all that crowd that, like, you know, pretends to still be uh, somewhat legitimate. (laughs) Uh, They all thought that this was going to be a big bombshell, too, and it was not. Yeah, so here's what I think is going to happen next, right? So there's so... I feel like there's three things that you take from the report. One, the big story. There's what Chris... Don't don't take it from me. Take it from Chris Wallace on Fox News, who said the big headline is basically the claims of bias, the claims is a hoax, all the claims, the conspiracy theories have been debunked. Then there's the other pieces of it that sort of like there are details that are just a little bit worse for Trump, like the fact that Christopher Steele uh, was uh, getting buddy-buddy with uh, Ivanka and Ivanka, met her at Trump Tower. Ivanka Didn't see that coming, almost yeah. hired, this is what the report says, Ivanka almost hired Chris Steele to do research on the Trump family business dealings before the campaign so they could have like self-research. Yeah, and then the third, the third piece of this, which is what I think you will now see all the right-wingers talk about is that they found they found problems inside of the FISA process, problems that civil libertarians have been pointing out for a very long time. So you basically have claims that there was an anti-Trump bias at the heart of uh, uh, these investigations that's been debunked. You have details that are worse for Trump, and then you have problems inside of the FISA process. Uh, that have a that are that actually don't have a partisan vector or a Trump vector. The civil libertarians have been talking about, like you said, Tommy, problems with the FISA process for a long, long time. That so there's a separate conversation you can have about that. Of for course, sure. and that conservatives have never cared about forever, except uh, for like Rand Paul. Except for like, well, right, the civil libertarians and the libertarians have cared about it. That they will now take this sort of problem inside of the FISA process as the big thing, the big proof. Look at all these problems. Look at how they targeted uh, Trump associates, Trump campaign. This is the real issue. When, of course, the report finds the opposite. And just a, a preview of coming attractions here. So there's obviously, as you referenced, love it, a separate investigation um, that Barr has a handpicked U.S. attorney, John Durham, that is out traveling around the world uh, trying to figure out the, you know, something to help Trump um, when it comes to the origins of the Russia investigation, the Mueller investigation. And that investigation is not over yet. But um, John Durham put out a statement today saying that he disagrees also with some of the findings of the IG report, which like if you're in the middle of the investigation, why are you releasing a statement trying to shape the media narrative after the inspector general report? That doesn't seem to on the fucking level, does it? it it's <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I mean, first, right, right, no sir, one should take this report seriously when it comes out. And if you're a reporter who does, you should be embarrassed. Right. Well, well of course, I mean, the only thing that's surprising is that Barr and Durham didn't try to get their purport out first mm-hmm. because that's what they did with the Mueller report, right? <laughs> this true. is, it's a reverse sequence. Now we're getting the kind of larger look. Mm. But of course, imagine if it had gone the other way, if we got the Barr-Durham report with all these sort of specious indictments of Democrats in the process before we got the actual IG report. Yeah. The, the Ivanka piece of this, it just, it, it just reminds you that the origins of, the, of Steele being 
tasked to look into Trump were because a bunch of conservatives were trying to stop him. It wasn't liberals. The the conservatives passed the investigation off to the DNC or whomever yeah. at some point along the way. The other thing this reminds you, because there's some text messages that came out that are decidedly pro-Trump right. from one FBI official to another. The FBI is a pro-Trump organization. It's a bunch of old white guys who love the law new, enforcement. Well, particularly like, this New York office, been the case. which yes. everyone is worried about. Here, here's, I just want to read one of the text messages yeah. after we had to go through the whole fucking Peter Strzok, Lisa Page bullshit, which a lot of reporters, and you ruined their lives. A lot of nonpartisan reporters bought into when the text messages came out. Here's, here's one of the messages from an FBI agent to another. I'm so elated with the election. It's like watching a Super Bowl comeback. It was energizing to me to see because I didn't want a criminal to be in the White House talking about Hillary Clinton. Unfucking believable, and and what did the FBI do? They, I mean, of course, Jim Comey did announce that he was reopening the investigation a couple weeks before the election. So Comey got did he- yeah, exactly, <laughs> did help uh, Trump win the election. Unbelievable. Um, all right, so. There was another uh, very odd and somewhat alarming response from President Trump over the weekend. This after a Saudi airman opened fire at a naval base in Pensacola, Florida, killing three and injuring eight before he was killed by police. The attacker was at the base to receive training from the U.S. military and the firearm that he used was purchased legally. Um, The FBI is investigating it as an act of terrorism. Trump's national security advisor was on CBS this weekend saying he believed it was terrorism. But Trump's first response was to pass along the thoughts of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, tweeting that MBS, quote, just called to express his sincere condolences. The king said that the Saudi people are greatly angered by the barbaric actions of the shooter and that this person in no way, shape or form represents the feelings of the Saudi people who love Americans very much. Uh, Tommy, David Sanger wrote in The New York Times that the president's first instinct was to tamp down any suggestion that the Saudi government needed to be held to account. Um, Did you agree with the Sanger's tank and and why do you think Trump keeps protecting the Saudis? What is going on here? I mean, historically, the U.S. has done a lot of training with Arab militaries, and generally, they're valuable because it helps professionalize the force and it builds ties between these militaries. So, you know, like there is a there's a policy reason you might want to continue this kind of training. Why Trump would jump out ahead of the Saudis committing to I don't know give us the information we need to conduct a thorough investigation is beyond me. Um, one, I, what I would want to know if I were providing some oversight over this is what vetting is being done and what went wrong. Because if these mm. guys were watching shooting videos and this guy actually did tweet a quote from Osama bin Laden right before he went on this rampage, that speaks to a serious problem in vetting. Two, how did this guy get a fucking gun, right? Broader gun control question. Three, um, you know, I, I think we need to, you know, more broadly rethink our relationship with Saudi Arabia generally. Mohammed bin Salman is a, a tyrant with a sovereign wealth fund. He ordered the assassination of a Washington Post journalist. So, you know, Trump went all in on the Saudis early. They were the linchpin of his Middle East policy uh, when it comes to terrorism, when it comes to the Middle East peace process. But look, cynical me, like I think it's because they have a lot of cash and they buy a lot of U.S. weapons. And down the road. Boy, would I love to see uh, what Mohammed bin Salman and Jared Kushner text about, because I suspect there's lots of discussions of future real estate deals. Trump, well, Riyadh, yeah. faux show. Well, I mean, there's nothing. You don't need to go any further than that. Yeah. This is about some fucking real estate in a, well, a year if we're lucky. And, yeah. in, and in case you think that that's just like, oh, that's just us having some conspiracy theory. Here's Trump during the 2016 campaign. Quote, Saudi Arabia, I get along with all of them. They buy apartments from me. They spend 40 million, 50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much. And also <laughs> the biggest the biggest spenders at Trump D.C. hotel. Yeah, yeah. Right. They, they oh, bought yeah. tons of rooms that no one fills. $400,000 uh, in the inauguration to show Trump that they absurd. were friendly. Absurd. It's absurd. So, I mean, so one of the reasons, one of the many reasons this story is important is because, you know, as we talk about impeachment and everyone just says Ukraine, 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 it is important for Democrats to um, prove either with evidence or to just reiterate the fact that, like, this is what Trump is doing across so many different areas. He's getting like this. This Saudi thing is the same kind of thing he's getting impeached for, right? Like, if you know Trump, if you're personally loyal to Trump, if you spend money at his hotels, if there is a political reason he can use you, Saudi he Arabia, will be nice Turkey, to you. Ukraine. I would love <laughs> a reporter with some time on their hands to go through the 11,000 tweets. I looked this up. Roughly 11,000 tweets he has tweeted since he became president. And figure out what percentage of those tweets are about something other than the scandals he's embroiled in. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores. 
See the full schedule and find where to watch at IonNWSL.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. You know, you know, you know. Have you been able to squeeze that special thing into your schedule, John? Yeah, that's. I think it's thanks to therapy. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it, Mm -hmm. more time for you. I, uh, you know, because we've been doing what a weekday. Mm -hmm. I actually put that in my therapy spot. You know, I I replaced therapy with doing an extra podcast. Mm. It was a huge mistake. So uh, what do you spend time doing in therapy now? Well, now I brought therapy back. I added okay, therapy good, back good. to another time because uh, it turns out talking- that's going to make the jokes better. <laughs> well, it's really going to make things better for the team. <laughs> <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash PSA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash PSA. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Personal enrichment. And that's basically it. I would love to see what he has talked because Twitter is his only form of communication, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what has he communicated with the world about other than how he's not as fucking scandalous as we all know he is? And, um, you know, no, there's, ways there's, that he'll make money someday. There's two categories of tweets. I'm not corrupt and the Democrats are. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically, no real, that's basically no what he does. proactive <laughs> legislating or anything. And once in a while, like, best economy in the world, you know. Ever, exclamation point. That's about it. The stock market's awesome, except when it goes down. <laughs> and then it is not mine. So speaking of uh, rank corruption, um, Politico reported that Seema Verma, who runs Medicare and Medicaid for Trump. Uh, this is a good one, Don't right? get me started. Yeah, she filed a claim with the Department of Health and Human Services uh, seeking reimbursement from taxpayers for about $47,000 worth of expensive jewelry and other belongings that were stolen during a work trip, including an Ivanka Trump brand pendant worth uh, about $6,000. Allegedly. 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 (laughs) Verma is currently under congressional investigation for spending two and a quarter million dollars in taxpayer money to contract a public relations firm that often worked to help burnish her personal image. Um, Trump administration is currently trying to kick at least 15 million people off of Medicaid right now. Um, and, you know, healthcare, Medicaid is basically health insurance that you are uh, too rich to qualify for if you make like $10,000, if you're a family making $10,000 a year. And uh, this is what Seema Verma is spending $2 million on a consultant for a personal image and filing claims for lost jewelry that we have to pick up the tab for. Let's also just discuss the fact that she filed a claim for $2,000 to cover stolen clothes. $2,000 to cover stolen goods and $325 claim for moisturizer. moisturizer. Okay. For moisturizer. You add all hey, of that up. What kind of moisturizer is Let's that? Let's talk about this. You know that in that fucking bullshit Snap stuff they did last week where they're kicking people off Snap left and right and, and removing the ability for people to eat. Literally taking food off people's table. Literally taking food. That One of the sort of small footnotey things that it took someone a long time to read through the whole thing and highlight is that if you you have to work now to get your benefits right except if you have a car that is valued at more than twenty two hundred fifty dollars you no longer qualify right because you have assets so you have to work you may not have a bus that can take you to work so if you have a car that's worth more than twenty two hundred dollars you get punished which by the way the cost of the car is half of what she is claiming in just her stolen goods fucking moisturizer and noise canceling headphones you know what? Like Mike Bloomberg and Tom Steyer, run this. Start running this ad, please. <laughs> about the about the Trump administration trying to kick people off, this is... take away their health insurance while the person running Medicaid and Medicare. Do you remember <laughs> Tom Brokaw's fleecing of America segment? Yeah. This is I, I it. do remember that. This, remember? Yeah. Go ahead, love it. Uh, You're thinking I can see it. I look. I I think go, let's go to town on this. Sure. I'm go to go crazy. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> I just don't care that much. No, like, I, <laughs> I think people. I mean, oh, look, we're going like, to talk. I want about people to do the, it. I see why it's. I see why it's politically valuable to attack her for this. No. I just think it's like 
I just think this is the best example of what a pro Republican or a pro Trump media organization can do for you, right? There's two yes. examples today that we've covered already where I don't like to do the imagined Obama, but if a, a Saudi soldier had shot up a US base and we, Obama didn't call it terrorism and read out a call from the king, it would be this explosive, massive story about how he's weak on terrorism. If a, if a, if a Obama official dropped 325 on moisturizer and demanded reimbursement, it would be the biggest scandal in, in you know history on Fox News. And it's just frustrating that the rules don't apply equally for me. But also, I, no, like, I get that the jewelry is a couple thousand dollars. You file the reimbursement claim. It's all crazy. Like, we're talking about this because of the jewelry, but... The two million dollars on a consultant that has just been in the new was in the you know Dan, Dan Diamond reported this for Politico. He's been on this beat and doing a great job. And like this was reported, I don't know, a month ago or something about the consultant, and it just like goes through the news like nothing. Like I, it's it, it is politically valuable, obviously, but it's also like two million. Why are why are government employees spending two million dollars at the same time they're trying to say that they're they kick people off fucking Medicaid, fifteen million people by stopping the Medicaid expansion? Like what? what come on. <laughs> I also just that's not a big deal <laughs> no no it's a big deal i also just like you know but up 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 gay news what is this fucking brooch what is this 5900 ivanka trump brooch i i heard it had a it had a, a um a mineral in it that i'd never even heard of Al- alpha okay I, i'm pretty sure it's something you can buy at the woo woo store it sounds okay? like this isn't a, like the bergdorf cat brooch yeah. which i will save up and get one day it sounds like it's made in like a tiktok thing you know yeah, totally. <laughs> in a tiktok you can see it in a TikTok. You know what? We're gonna find a picture of it, and I'm just gonna re. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna craft it in the conference. I'm room. sure Marianne Williamson has promoted it at some point too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good stocking stuffer I mean, for this. She's year. also in the middle of this massive fight with Alex Azar, the HHS secretary, which has seemingly uh, prevented them from moving advancing any of Trump's interest on healthcare, which is good for all of right. us, but just another sign of how. Because of, you know, the daily Trump show, like the government is dysfunctional in so many profound ways and well, we barely notice. And it. it's also like it's another reminder that we have to at some point get out of this fucking Medicare for all versus public option fight in the Democratic primary when the Trump administration right now, you're right, they're having a fight over like who can kick more people off health care if Trump wins again. You know, right. I mean, it's just like there's a there's there's much bigger things at stake here because the Trump administration, if they win again, will gut Medicaid even further, will gut Medicare and will gut the Affordable Care Act and millions and millions of people lose their health insurance. And will be reimbursing brooches. Yeah. Shout out to the bureaucrats somewhere deep inside of HHS who saw that request and said, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get, no get 2000 total. I love that. Leave person. us the fuck alone. <laughs> um, also, Ivanka, give her a new brooch, you asshole. Yeah. Totes. You got to have a couple extras. Uh, all right. Fake billionaire. Yeah, just <laughs> find, yeah, like, give her something else that'll turn her arm green. <laughs> that was good. Um, let's talk about 2020 and oh. uh, and start with the front runner nationally and in South Carolina, Joe Biden. Uh, he was in Iowa last week where he's in third or fourth place and uh, got into a heated exchange with a Democratic voter who questioned Hunter Biden's work in Ukraine and whether Biden is too old for the presidency. Uh, in response to the 83-year-old farm- retired farmer's concerns about Hunter, Biden said, you're a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. In fairness, the question that the guy asked Biden about Hunter was not like, don't you think it's a conflict of interest that Hunter served on the board? It was like, you sent your son over to Ukraine to uh, to get a job in an oil company, and you did it. You know, it was like crazy conspiracy theory, but it was there. Uh, and then Biden also challenged the man to a push-up contest and an IQ test in order to prove that he is, in fact, fit enough to be president. Um, what did you guys think about how Joe Biden handled this one? Alyssa, what did you think? I just need to say my quick... I really thought it was a missed opportunity for him to not be like, that's malarkey. <laughs> right, you put it on Good the call. bus. Oh, you put yeah. it on the bus. Like, Damn, if ever it. there was a moment. <laughs> that, that was malarkey. Thank you. People are wondering, like, what does malarkey mean? It's that's, on the malarkey. Malarkey. that's malarkey. <laughs> You're welcome for this tutorial, millennials. <laughs> What'd you think, Love It? Um, you know, I thought he got out okay. Like, I, you know, I... I I saw people saying he looked bad. I saw people saying he looked good. He was pretty cogent. He was he was feisty. It felt a little bit defensive. You know, John, you're right that what the question this man articulated was a little right wing fever swampy. But I also do think sometimes you just got to give an 83 year old guy a little bit of space to try to like 
Yeah. It's so complicated yeah. and so confused by the news, even if you don't watch the Fox News stuff. No, the guy was apparently a Warren supporter, and he said he saw it on MSNBC, which, you know, he probably didn't. But you can leave room for the man to be confused. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Instead for of sure. calling him a liar right Yeah, away. so that was my reaction to it. And I just thought, for the most part, honestly, at this point, with Joe Biden, like, he made an argument. Yeah. Successfully. Yeah. Tommy, does he need a better answer on Hunter? I saw you tweeting that. I mean, look, I'm sort of used to my reaction to thinking Biden was wrong in the way he executed in some moment being completely false and then his poll numbers go up. So what, what the <laughs> fuck do I know? But I, look, I also get that these these questions are deeply personal. It's about his son. They're unfair. It's literally a Trump smear campaign. But I do think there's a rule in politics, which is don't be a dick to voters. Right. You might that guy might have in front of a, a lot of other voters. Also, Biden pulled this kind of thing back in 1988. Right. There's a, a famous clip of him yelling at a guy in New Hampshire saying, I think my IQ is better than yours. But I went to a better law school. So I do think he needs a better answer because he also went on uh, Axios on HBO and got pressed on these questions and, and kind of got in Mike Allen's face and was wagging his finger. And I just think, like, keep your cool. Don't yell at the questioner. Answer the facts when necessary. He's also kind of half turning it and making it hit on the Trump kids, but cutting himself off. If you want to make the case that the Trump kids are profiting off of their father's role in government, make the case, deliver the hit, but don't half do it. So like the questions aren't going away. In fact, I think these answers are feeding the news cycle Mm -hmm. and creating more press on the problem. So from that perspective, I I just, I think he's got to figure out an answer. Yeah. I mean, my advice on this would be at the very least, don't signal to Trump, Republicans, and the media, and everyone else that whenever asked about Hunter, you're going to be super defensive right. and angry. And right? newsmaking. And newsmaking. Yeah. And look, right, right. And, I, and I understand it. Like, I, some people are like, you know, he should just throw Hunter Biden under the bus. And I think it is, I can understand why he wouldn't want to do that, right? His surviving son. Like, he's not. He, but I think there's an easy way to both not throw him under the bus and also not like jump to his defense about every decision he ever made, which is for Joe Joe Biden to just be like, look, like Hunter, Hunter is a, you know, 47 year old man. He makes his, (laughs) he makes his own decisions. And all I can talk about is what I have done. And not only did I do the right thing in pushing for that corrupt prosecutor to be fired in Ukraine, but my actions increased the chances that Hunter's company would be investigated. So I actually acted in contrary to my son's financial interests. And his stuff is his stuff. And like, we don't need to talk about him because he's not running for president. Let's talk about me, what I did, what I did wrong or right, and I did nothing wrong. Yeah, I think that's right. I also just think it is a tone thing and that it is like, thank you for that question. I know this has been in the news a lot. And I'm really glad you asked it. Yes. Because I really want to make sure everybody in Iowa understands where I'm coming from. Yep. Because here's what you need to know about me. Like, I love this country. And I'm and the reason I'm running is because we have a president who's tried to profit off the presidency and we have a a president who's tried to do the wrong thing at every turn. And you need we need a president right now who will think about the country first every single time. And I'm here to tell you that that is exactly what I have done and exactly what I look at my record. And that's not malarkey. And and you know what? Again. And if you're ever not sure about that, I hope you come and ask me another question. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're all here. Applause. Applause. Because he's got now I'm president. Because he's got nothing. (laughs) He's got nothing to hide. On this, make a little joke. Are you sure that wasn't Fox News? Hardy, har, har. Like, he seems so pissed. Anything, but also, I felt like I watched it. So, I read it and then I I watched it, right? Like, twice. And the thing about it is, he just, he, there's something about the whole presentation, like his whole engagement. His, like, his eyes get really small and beady, and he's still dressing. And I have said this. He's still dressing like Thurston Howell III. I don't know what's up with that. Like, I mean, I don't think it helped that just... John Kerry was in uh, matching outfits with him on the campaign it's... trail. The two of them just walked right off Beacon Hill together. It's... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true. Yeah, I think it's weird that they wore one ascot and just couldn't get far apart. <laughs> just tied between them. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just feel like his whole, just like the way that he did it and the, the way, it just felt like he knew he had to be mad. And yeah. so he didn't know how to like... Like, and I understand it. He's thinking the whole time, like, how do I do this? But I just felt like it came off so weird. I just want to say to him, like, and I, it, the, the way the, the Biden campaign has had to deal with press and everything else, they have this big chip on their shoulder, right? Partly because of what you were saying, Tommy, where, like, everyone tells them they fuck up everything and then the, his poll numbers are still good. And so they're like, why are we still dealing with this? And it's like, 
I get it. I get a lot of this isn't on the level. I get that you have to deal with a lot of bullshit, but you just have to take it. You're running for president. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, you can't show. And this, his campaign is like this, too. A lot of people in his campaign, it's like, don't show that you're angry, that you're defensive, that you think everyone on Twitter is stupid. Like, just don't well, show that. Because uh, fundamentally, <laughs> there's a little bit of a like, I can't believe we have to deal with yes. this. Yes. Like, I should be the nominee by now. Right. Like, this is... It's first we're not even going to engage because it's beneath us, and now we're going to engage in a way that's not super helpful. I know right. that feeling. I lost. Yeah, my, we've all been there. I lost my mind every time some reporter asked me about Barack Obama's birth certificate. But you know what? You get unfair questions in the, on the campaign trail, and part of proving you can run against Trump is showing that you're going to be able to deal with crazy lies from your opponent. Yes. Um, all right. Let's talk about Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren's latest uh, debate. Last week, Warren called on Pete to be more transparent about his fundraising, calling on him to release the names of his finance committee members, uh, the names of his bundlers and who are raising money for him. That's what a bundler is. Um, and to open his fundraisers to the press, which Joe Biden does. She and Bernie actually don't do fundraisers right. <laughs> with rich people anymore. Um, others, including the New York Times editorial board, have also called on Pete to release his client list from when he was a consultant at McKinsey which he says he can't do because he signed a non-disclosure agreement, which he's asking McKinsey to let him out of. Um, for his part, Pete called on Warren to release her tax returns from when she did some corporate consulting while she was a law professor at Harvard. In response, she released records on Sunday night showing she made nearly $2 million consulting, uh, most of which was made over the decade uh, she was at Harvard. What do we think about this whole debate? Are the critiques fair? What do you guys think? It's annoying. I mean, <laughs> like if you want to turn people off to to like being engaged in the process, this whole back and forth, neither one of them are right or wrong necessarily, but it is a turn off. You know, like, first of all, the the thing I find the thing that does get under my skin a bit is that Mayor Pete should release his bundlers. Yeah, because here's the thing. He did have people on his invitations for fundraisers. And as you guys all know, I spent the better part of my fucking adult life vetting invitations for fundraisers. And so he was. And then he got called out on it because he had a bunch of lobbyists on his invitations. So then he's like, OK, well, we're not going to do that, but I'm also going to not list them anymore. It is a little bit like, well, what do you got going on? Just like tell us who your people are. Like, why do we care? I'm sure they're all mostly fine. But and if they're not, then maybe they shouldn't be bundlers. And also then the reporting on EW, you know, and, and her disclosure was like so many, I forget what outlet it was, but was like Elizabeth Warren, you know, $3 million, $2 million over 30 years. Well, that was, for, it. that's what it originally said. Then Annie Linsky, who wrote the story, was like, it wasn't 30 years. It was the 10 years that she was at Harvard, which she didn't say originally. But it's not like, the amount of money is not the fucking point here at all. <laughs> In any way, like, she clearly was a professor at Harvard and had some side consulting work that we, you know, she was paid like right. lump sums or hourly or ret monthly retainer, whatever consulting is, here and there over 10 years at Harvard. That paid like up. a high-priced Harvard professor lawyer. Right. right. I know everyone was saying like Who? she was underpaid. We don't know she was fucking underpaid. We don't like, know any. We, and here's she the just, thing. She made some money as a, as a consultant. Fine. We shouldn't, the standard for public service shouldn't be a vow of poverty prior to getting into public service, right? Uh, you shouldn't have uh, to. I don't get me started on this. You shouldn't have to declare that you have done nothing but philanthropy up until the point that you uh, decide to run before and after However, I will only work in the public right. sector my whole life that is the only good person but who can then run at for the office. same time the people who are attacking EW but defending Mayor Pete and saying like well that was in his 20s and that's just crazy and I was like ah he's only in his 30s now so like not exactly lifetimes ago yeah, I mean, look, I think at some point he's going to have to open up the fundraisers. And honestly, like, that's fine. Everyone is a reporter these days. Someone's going to film your fundraiser. It, it seems more nefarious than it is. Usually there's boring kind of mundane affairs. It's actually smart, too, because uh, once yeah. they know that their fundraisers are public, they stop making the kind of exactly. gaffes that people like like cling to your guns and religions, deplorable. As a general matter, I think transparency is good. But I want to be clear that the media gives you no credit for it. Obama released the White House visitor log, something yeah. that was a massive fight during the Bush administration. I believe it went to the Supreme Court, uh, the, the legal effort to get those records. And we just got mocked. You know, people use it to do oppo research on people visiting the Obama White House. Obama got mocked for saying it was the most transparent administration ever. So the incentives are completely fucked. And what I'm a little bit worried about is us setting a standard for ourselves on the Democratic side that Trump will come nowhere near matching. And we're just 
rolling out uh, a bunch of records for RNC nerds to dig into and create problems for Democratic candidates. Yeah, I think you're I, right. I think there's two things to it. One is Tommy's point. We are being more transparent and going above and beyond any legal requirements because that's what Democrats demand of each other. And it, and it puts us at a disadvantage. The second piece of this, too, is it's like, let's just step back and remember why we're doing this. It's about figuring out who's going to be the best president. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> the the assumption has to be there is something about Pete's bundlers or there's something about Pete's work at McKinsey that will tell us what kind of president he will be. I think there's probably some truth to that. And then for Elizabeth Warren, there has to be an argument that Something about the clients she took on, the money she made when she was a professor is going to be revealing to us about what kind of president they are. And I think the the, the actual um, it's asymmetric in the sense of like what the goal is for those launching these attacks. I think the the goal for the attack at Pete is a is a goal that says, see, he's a neolib center shill. The left can't trust him. He is going to govern with these wealthy interests in mind, whether you know they're going to compare him to Mitt Romney. You can't trust him to actually deliver a truly progressive government. That is the attack that they are trying to make. The other direction is actually, it's not that because I don't think anyone truly believes that. No one's been able to successfully make that argument. It's more, look, Elizabeth Warren's just as bad. <laughs> As the rest of us. Yeah, they're, tr mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to get her on a hypocrisy argument. She, she rails against corporations, right. but she worked for corporations. Did she's purity come lately? Right. So the, this transparency debate is not about transparency, right? As you're, as you're sort of revealing, we, everyone, the campaigns are saying it's about it's transparency, but really it's to try to get the records or right. get the information so then you can use it to prove To do these attacks. Yeah, of course. It's, not it's, a, it's a dance. It's a transparency rabbit hole. Pete really. didn't work at fucking Blackwater. He wasn't shooting up town squares in Iraq. He was probably sitting with a bunch of guys with Excel sheets, like figuring out how to cut costs and lay off people and cut benefits. And that's wild speculation, but that's my guess based on what McKinsey does all the time. And yeah, that'll look kind of bad in a, in a campaign. And no one is more surprised that McKinsey's an issue for Pete than Pete, who has wanted to be president for a very long time and presumably thought this was a good thing for him to do to gain some interesting business experience before he went into that's government. Good point. Well, it wasn't long ago that having some business experience before getting to government was seen as uh, neutral to good. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, now it's like, oh, oh my God. That's the self-interested Twitter reaction. I do think people in America probably think, oh, McKinsey, I've heard of that. That's hard to it's a hard job to get. You must be smart. To work say, there. They'll think that about McKinsey. They'll think uh, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, she did some side work for companies. Great. Good for or, her. Who cares? I'll never learn that fact because I'm <laughs> not you guys watching Twitter all day long. Right. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Beyonce, Katanji Brown Jackson, the lady who spent 500 days in a cave. Women are all around us. And this Women's History Month, The Crooked Store is celebrating with a pop-up shop featuring favorites from women of color founded companies. For a limited time, the SheCommerce pop-up shop has everything from delicious goodies to kids books to candles, all from small companies that we love. It is a great way to support women of color while treating a woman in your own life. Maybe that's yourself to a sweet distraction from the endless horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at crooked.com slash store for this month only. And finally, uh, Michael Bloomberg has already spent or reserved $60 million on television ads since he entered the primary. <laughs> this is more than double what the other four front-running candidates have spent on TV all year combined. That's Bernie, Pete, Warren, Biden. All of their spending combined, double it. Mike Bloomberg's ahead of that. It's ironic because uh, in part he's in the race for fear of a left candidate. So Elizabeth Warren has already charged Mike Bloomberg a pretty substantial wealth tax. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also spent millions on Facebook and Google ads, even more than Trump has, because we've been complaining about Trump a lot, spending all this money. So Bloomberg's outspending Trump now. Um, the campaign also plans to launch, and this might even be more important um, than the television spending, they're planning to launch a huge ground operation. They're just hiring organizers by the dozens in the delegate-heavy Super Tuesday states, and they're paying these organizers like almost double what other campaigns are paying them. Um, guys, what's uh, what's Bloomberg's theory of the case here? What, what, what's what's the method behind the madness? 
I mean, so David Plouffe did a great interview with uh, Bloomberg's campaign chief, Kevin Sheeke, and they're trying something that is quite literally unprecedented, which is they're skipping the first four early primary states and making a Super Tuesday play, which is basically a national campaign. Yeah. You know, you, you should think of it that way. Uh, so they're betting that they can get him to, you know, 15 percent in some of these congressional districts and pick up some delegates that way. That's a tough bet. You know, like no one's ever done that. It's incredibly hard. But he has 52 some odd billion dollars with which to play. And so maybe it'll work. Now, Democrats who are resentful of Bloomberg for getting in and getting in late should also know that it sounds like a lot of the spending will be anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, we should hold their feet to the fire on that and make sure that's actually true and that he's registering voters and running Trump attack ads in swing states. But it is good that he's spending in states that aren't these first four early primary states, because what happens at a primary is you focus on Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, and Trump is just running ads against Democrats everywhere else. No, it sounds like what he's trying to do is prove his worth as a Democratic candidate by trying to help build up the Democratic Party. Which is great. Which is a smart, yeah, like whether it's out of the goodness of his heart or not, who the fuck cares? It's happening. That's great for our purposes. Yeah, I just, I I think it's just a, it's a pure to me numbers question. How much of what he is spending is like, I've seen a bunch of pro Bloomberg. Yeah, the bio spots. Bio spots. It's sort of like Tom Steyer, who in the run up deciding to run for president, spent millions of dollars on ads that were both about impeaching Trump, but also about sort of burnishing his credentials and making him somebody people recognized. So what he's committed is he that he will spend at least $100 million outside of his own campaign's right. efforts. So right now there's a mix of the bio ads, which take shots at Trump, but are mainly Bloomberg ads. And there's a bunch of anti-Trump ads in swing states. Uh, and digital spends, which is, you know. And then he's helping out the, the state parties. Yes, that which was the other is big thing. genius. He's going to Texas. He's giving a whole bunch of money right. to that state party, to hey. Louisiana, to other state parties that don't have enough money. Hey, Mike Bloomberg, we're like scraping together every dollar we can find for Stacey Abrams. Could you just clear out that thing? Yeah. yeah. Cover a check for <laughs> five million. Just clear mil? it out. Please, Mike Bloomberg. Everyone tweeted Mike Bloomberg. Please write Stacey Abrams a check. That'd be good. And, he, and he's, fair fight. Uh, and he's donating um, to some candidates. He's going to donate to some candidates up and down the ballot, too. So, look, I mean, it's, you know, it is gross that we have a campaign finance system that billionaires can just, like, buy their way onto debate stages and possibly buy a nomination. Absolutely. But I have been very worried for quite some time that Trump is outspending us everywhere, that he's going to outspend us digitally and in paid media everywhere. And if Mike Bloomberg wants to try to stop that while running a campaign, like whether he's the nominee or not, at least it might help the Democratic Party, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, he's also spent a lot of money on trying to close coal fired power plants. Yeah. um, And other things. But when I when I see those when I saw that that he was doing that, I think it's a very good thing. But the single most important thing you can do if you care about climate change is remove Donald Trump from office. The single most important Mm -hmm. thing. Right. Whatever. I think he's pledged a huge amount of money to that effort. But the there's no bang for your buck if you care about climate change more than a million dollars worth of ads in Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania or what have you. Hey, you guys remember when Barack Obama criticized the Citizens United ruling at the State of the Union uh, in front of the Supreme Court justices? And it was was treated like the most uh, the the greatest civility foul in the history of Washington because he said it in front of. The justices. Oh, no. Not oh, John my goodness. Oh. oh, the justices. Are, feelings got hurt his, because his, they opened the floodgates to billions of dollars <laughs> to buy our elections. blue eyes got glassy in that Imagine moment. criticizing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting, uh, one of the pieces about why Bloomberg decided to run is that, remember those New York Times polls in the swing states that Nate Cohen and New York yeah. Times yep. did a while ago that showed um, that Trump was very competitive in those swing states? beating Elizabeth Warren in some and, and losing to Biden by narrow amounts and others. Um, apparently that polling came out. Bloomberg sat with all of his advisors and said, and they all decided, okay, we're going to spend even more outside the campaign on ads in these states. And they're like, all right. So they finished the meeting. And then apparently the next morning, Bloomberg walks in and he's like, and they're like, okay, are we ready to spend all this money? He's like, actually, I've thought about it. I think I need to run for president. <laughs> Just to say, and he's like, so we are going to spend all that money on those ads, but also I'm going to run because I'm afraid we're going to lose now. I mean, it's the funny thing is that, you know, no one who runs for president is shy on ego, right? But the thing that I do think is compelling is that Mike Bloomberg, of all people, does not want to be humiliated. So that's why it's like, I don't know that I don't, we don't know everything he has planned, but I feel like he knows something. Well, I've been worried with this. I mean, like, is Mike Bloomberg the answer to that scary polling? Uh, You know, I, I have my doubts, but I do... 
And, and Bloomberg conducted similar polling in those states and found almost the same exact results as the New York Times and, and Nate, who is in, you know, 538 rates them an A pollster. So does he get a che- he gets a cheaper rate as a candidate yeah. on yes. ads for the money he spends. Yes. But that, that won't apply to the hundred million. Is that going to be outside of the campaign? I don't know the yeah, answer. I don't know that either. Because there is a little bit of a like you can't pretend to run for president to get a cheaper ad rate. You got to really do it. You got to really put your heart into it. I've heard that you theory. Don't wanna... do, we also, do we really think that Mike Bloomberg, who's throwing around like $60 million in the first week, is worried about getting that much of a cheaper ad rate? I think, though, exactly. I, not, listen, first of all, everybody wants a bang for their buck. Every, it's, I don't care who you are. Americans love a deal. All right. We love a deal. And like, he, lo- like he doesn't want to pay full deal. price for that Ivanka Pendant. You have never... Absolutely not. <laughs> Unlike Seema Verma. He listen, will not... <laughs> Everyone should just be a little worried. I mean, look, the fact that Bloomberg did all this polling and they found that every candidate is losing to Trump in the states that matter should make us all really nervous. And I don't want to, like, you know, offer up a bunch of unfocused anxiety here, but, like, we're all going to have to work really hard and bring this party together. It's also... it's just also really interesting to me. This is a totally different point, but Jonathan Martin had an interesting piece on the state of the race in Iowa. And the thing that I keep... I can't get my head around is that... Elizabeth Warren has not spent any money on ads in Iowa. And mm-hmm. I don't get why. Just recently, she finally—I guess she finally just went up, like like this week. What the fuck have you been waiting for? Yeah. But, uh, but, by but the like, way, what's their money situation? She she had a big quarter at she one. She did, but but, but remember, but her cash on hand. She had a big quarter, but her cash on hand was. And she had a transfer. She had a ten million dollar transfer, transfer from the Senate, from Senate yeah. office. I just think it's it's interesting to see what kind of money everyone's got because we keep not we keep forgetting, but I feel like sometimes Twitter forgets. It, I think that it's going to be very interesting to see the quarter Bernie has because he has still, with purely grassroots money, outraised everybody every quarter. And I think that like polling or whatever aside, if he's still raising like massive grassroots money more than anybody else, I think that means something. Well, I mean, we've been talking this whole time in 2020 about, you know, Biden versus an Iowa voter, right. Pete, Pete versus Warren. Right. And like no one's really roughing up Bernie and he's doing his thing. No, it's as, like as he, he had does. that heart attack and he's like just fading into the bushes and doing his like load. Of the, like he's been doing smaller events and really kind of just been like out of the fray except for that awesome fire starting video. Did you guys watch it? No. Bernie, oh, oh, Bernie yeah, I did showed people how to light a fire oh, yeah. in Vermont. Yeah, it was yeah, funny And a wood burning stove. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. Um, as people Very who charming. come from cold places, Aaron and I really thought it was something. But um, I just think it's it's interesting. I think that, you know, the end of the quarter will be interesting to see sort of where he nets out and if his supporters give a shit about what any of the polling says. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I also just think, too, you look, you look at what could happen and like, what does Mike Bloomberg's money on Super Tuesday ultimately mean if you start from the presumption that it's very, very hard to imagine him building a coalition that will make him the nominee? You start to see someone that makes it harder for mm-hmm. someone else to get to uh, above 50 percent of the delegates. And then and then become a player at the brokered convention. And right? then. And yeah. So paging Aaron Sorkin. But, but to, to <laughs> Alyssa's point earlier, I mean, the, the Des Moines Register had a piece over the weekend. Or it was last week about Bernie's Iowa strategy. And it does seem like they are just kind of running a totally on a totally different track. Like yeah. even look, I, I wish I'd spent more time with Bernie and his team when I was in Iowa. But like when I'm at the Liberty and Justice dinner with all the other campaigns, all his supporters were somewhere else. So it was Mm -hmm. like hard to talk to them and get a sense of what they think about Bernie. They seem to be just focused on this crop of Bernie voters that they think if they turn out in sufficient numbers can can win this thing for him or, or at least do well enough. And I don't know, maybe the polling is not capturing those people. It just makes it completely unpredictable. Well, the interesting thing, right, that that poll that just came out that said he's leading in California. Yeah. I was totally shocked. I did yeah. not think that that I was like I had to read it twice because I'm like, huh. And that was the thing that made me think like he's just been like the tortoise, man. He's just like under going slow, not doing a lot of big press stuff and just. I mean, the Super Tuesday calculations are very interesting, right? Because, I mean, you mentioned this 15 percent, Tommy, but basically the way the way this works is if you can hit 15 percent in any of these congressional districts in any of these states, you probably pick up delegates below 15 percent. You don't. And so what Bloomberg is basically saying is, all right, not only are we going to spend money on television ads, but we're going to have ground operations in Mm -hmm. all these big states, which is something that is incredibly expensive and 
very few candidates are going, other candidates are going to be able to do that unless right. they have some momentum in those first four early primary states. So the Bloomberg people are thinking like, we don't even know if we're going to win many of these Super Tuesday states, but if we can just keep getting delegates by right. spending enough money, you know, we'll be in the game. And then you try to think who else is going to have an operation that can compete in California, New York, Texas, all at the same time. And it's like, Bernie probably has that money. Right. Um Pete well, Buttigieg and, probably has that money right now. And then we'll see about Warren after the quarter. Well, and Bernie did it in 16. Right. Right. right? So he's got at least some sort of muscle memory yeah. in those states. But the one, the one person who we definitely don't know if if he has the money is Joe Biden based on his fundraise, last fundraising quarter, even though, you know, in a lot of ways he could be the strongest candidate because of his continued strong, strong support in the African-American community and with non-college educated white voters. The bet for non-Bloomberg candidates is that you go through these first four early primary states and if you do well enough, you capture momentum and enthusiasm and that puts you over the top versus this organizing that's already happening. Uh, It seems like a real open question whether, you know, that will work or whether anyone will run the table in these early states to, to build that momentum. But certainly it would make me awfully nervous if I were Biden and I'm kind of betting on a mixed result in these early four states. Right, especially because his money has been predominantly big dollar money, which means that he has a finite base of... Which was Kamala's problem. Which was Kamala's problem, is that is that if you're someone who's counting on your big donors, you front load all that money. And so my guess, you know, for Kamala was that, like, her donors had maxed out four months ago, for the most part, and the grassroots money wasn't totally there, which in part is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if you think that the person, you're like, oh, I think that Kamala's great, but like, I also want to see Booker stay in the race. And I'm a donor who only has $50 to give. If you think she's got her big dollar money, you're like, I'm going to give my $50 to Booker. That's which, right. You know? And Smart so point. I think that that's, that that's a problem for people. And I wonder if that's going to be a problem for Pete going forward, too, because and he's Kamala and Pete were both mixed. Right. They had high dollar fundraisers and they had some grassroots support. Right. Um, I think Pete's probably had more high dollar than grassroots. But if the grassroots sort of melts away, then you're left with hoping that the high dollar donors in the party can fund this. But meanwhile, you're facing candidates in Warren and Bernie who have a lot of grassroots money and then self-funded billionaires like uh, Tom Steyer and Mike Bloomberg. It's tough. Cool state of uh, campaign finance we got going right now. You, you you can't win after Iowa without grassroots donors. You just you don't have time to leave the campaign trail. That's right. And politic in New York City. And you know Los that Angeles. was one of the interesting things in 2016 that I remember. In the I think it was the third or fourth quarter, Hillary had done over 40 fundraisers and Bernie had done two. It's also worth I think too being just like a little bit reflective on actually the state of campaign finance and some of the like unintended consequences because it's not just Citizens United. It's that we created a bunch of rules that made people made it that you couldn't get as much money per person. I think it's had positive effects, but it means if you're someone who doesn't have inherited wealth or wealth uh, you may building um some sort of a terminal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, as far as I can tell is a really good web browser. I don't I don't, I don't get it. Do I don't mean Feingold? Yeah. Yeah, familiar, so like, yeah. But so but 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 it means that uh, it really did cause a trend of all these really wealthy people being able to come in and be like, well, you're going to have to go do all these fundraisers, but I can just write myself a check because everyone recognizes there's something is inherently unfair of saying to somebody, you can't spend your own money on your own speech, on your own campaign. Right. Um, so we really are. It's the campaign finance question that undergirds all of this is they're really hard. They're not they're not easy questions. That's all. Yeah. And all we have to do is to fix it is just um, when the presidency, the Senate, the House and then um wait for a Supreme Court Thanks, seat to open up. Well, <laughs> Thanks and, for that. So know, in the meantime, this is what we got. <laughs> and by the way, even when you do that, it's actually hard to come up with a solution yeah, that right. makes everybody happy that actually does what we want it to do. Well, because remember how many years ago, Favs, when we were working for John Kerry, John Kerry was at the same point in his election in, as Kamala was. They were both not polling great, both out of money, but John Kerry mortgaged uh, his home in Boston, and that's what got us through Iowa. Yeah, which and we thought when we heard the news that John Kerry was like, mortgaging his it. home was like, oh, we're not, I mean, I'm, Alyssa like, and I sat at a restaurant and we're like, what's our next jobs? No, we did. We went to Ruby Tuesdays and had a low carb meal. We went to Filene's and bought sheets because we were sleeping on people's floors in Iowa and New Hampshire. And Fall I was like, of 03. I was like, so when I see you again, like, what are we going to do? Because <laughs> well, just I'm like, where's the unemployment office? Why couldn't you get that ketchup money? That was the catch-up money. They, they mortgaged their house, right? And <laughs> yeah. Because that was partly his. He can't just take her fortune that wasn't 
partly his. Have a, oh, because okay. that's not how Weird. it works. That's not how the laws work. Okay. It's not so how marriage. I just thought we did have that house. They got married. They didn't. They he didn't have the finances. He had the ascot. Did, did she? Did she make him sign a prenup? Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Did, did, did Teresa Hines Carey have a ruthless prenup? Oh, okay. oh awesome. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the answer is yes. Anyway, <laughs> I, think, I think we've gone to the end of this conversation, guys. Um, <laughs> Alyssa, uh, Alyssa, thanks for joining us today. Please guys. come back. If do, you let's want, do this more often. If you want Teresa Hine Carey's money. Uh, you have to hit the side of the bottle at the exact right spot. <laughs> I can show you how. You got to tilt it, hit that 57. You hit the 57. That's exactly right. What, what was the plane called? The Flying Squirrel? Yes, it was called the Flying Squirrel. Her private jet? Yes. Yeah, that was a bad story. <laughs> Good times, people. Who did you Good work time. for again, Tommy? Yeah, John. There you go. We're all, yeah, we're all covered in glory. <laughs> Very cool. All right, everyone. Take care. Pod Save America is a product of Crooked Media. The senior producer is Michael Martinez. Our assistant producer is Jordan Waller. It's mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to Carolyn Reston, Tanya Sominator, and Katie Long for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Narmel Konian, Yale Freed, and Milo Kim, who film and upload these episodes as a video every week. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.